Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen, and today I have the absolute pleasure to sit down with Rob Wolf. Rob is a CEO and founder of LMNT, or Element, which is a electrolyte supplementation formula that contains sodium, magnesium, and potassium. He is a biochemist, an athlete, and also helps people with their nutrition to change their lifestyle and habits to improve their health. So today we talk about the birth of Element as a company, as a brand, and we talk about Rob's professional career as well, which is super, super interesting. Quick shout out to our sponsor, Element Tea. Uh, it's a great tasting electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. LMNT is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for folks following a keto, low carb, or paleo diet. LMNT contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium, with no, with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. If you want to check these guys out, this is something that Stephanie and I use all the time. Uh, check them out at drinklmnt.com slash hybrid. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high-quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. Cool. Um, I like to keep these conversations super casual, just get to know you, what you're about, and just talk really about awesome. everything. It seems like we have a lot of common interests being training, combat sports, performance. You're a biochemist as well, right? Yep. You're a scientist, yep. so I'm sure we can talk on, on all levels for sure. So welcome to Hybrid Unlimited. Thank you so much for taking the time. Huge honor to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Rob, so, I mean, I'm super impressed with uh, Element as a company. Obviously, even before we, we worked out anything together, I was already a fan of the brand. Um, but what I love the most about what you've done is just how research-based it is and how well you guys have been able to communicate that to the public. What um, sparked the interest to start this company? Oh, man, it's a, really just a kind of self-interest with a, com a combination of self-interest and self-ignorance. So <laughs> um, I got into all this kind of ancestral eating about 23 years ago. Uh, I had ulcerative colitis so bad that I nearly died from it. I was facing a bowel resection or immunosuppressant drugs. And I was a mess. I'm about 170, 175 pounds right now. I was 125 pounds at the low ebb of my ulcerative colitis. Like I was a, a disaster. And it was kind of an act of desperation that this kind of low carb paleo type diet ended up helping me dramatically, really helped with a lot of gut issues. 
And I feel generally good eating lower carb, but clearly fueling glycolytic-based activities like CrossFit and Jiu-Jitsu and Thai boxing is tough. You know, I mean, the the fueling is completely the opposite of what you would you would want for for that type of activity generally. And additionally, I kind of neglected the the fact that in a lower carb environment, we really need more electrolytes, specifically sodium. And I had just kind of struggled and limped along for years. And then I met these guys, Tyler Cartwright and Luis Villasenor, who were the founders of a, a program called Keto Gains. And they train folks, uh, uh, they have an online kind of body composition oriented training program, and they have people in combat sports and CrossFit and all kinds of different things. And they're following different iterations of kind of lower carb diets and doing really well, doing better than what I was doing when I I first met these guys. And so I started hanging out with them and had them look at what I was doing. And they basically said, your protein carbs, fat are fine, but you need more electrolytes, specifically sodium. And because I am a biochemist and I feel like I'm reasonably adept at this stuff. I was like, oh, I salt my food, I'm good, you know? Of course you don't listen to experts who are coaches who know more about a topic than you do. Of course, you know, you (laughs) just ignore that stuff. So about a year went by where I continued to just, you know, kind of muddle through my my training and jujitsu and everything. And then finally, they one day they were kind of like, listen, why don't you put everything you're doing in chronometer? Like weigh and measure all of it. All, all the protein, carbs, fat, but it'll also track like the sodium, potassium, magnesium, calcium. And we want you to be at a minimum of, of five grams of sodium per day. And I was less than two grams of sodium. So I was getting less than half of what they recommended. And the five grams is really kind of a beginning point. Like if you're doing really hard training, if you're lower carb, like it, it can double or, or triple the, the um, sodium need. So I bumped my that? sodium up. And it was just stunning what it did for my performance, for my recovery, my heart rate variability score improved, my sleep improved. What's and the so sorry, like, What's the relationship between low carb and the need for higher sodium? So the relationship there is that when insulin is low, then we tend to produce less of a hormone called aldosterone. And aldosterone is what one of the primary hormones that causes us to retain sodium. And so it's understood in medical circles as the, this term called the naturesis fasting. So if you're in a low carb diet, uh, low carb environment fasted, um, we will tend to lose more, more water and more sodium because of this, this kind of low insulin environment. So that, that's one of the things that like, if you go to a dietitian for a low carb diet, they are really well steeped in this understanding that, okay, you need to get at least five grams of sodium per day and maybe double or or triple that. Whereas in popular culture diet books, like I, I knew that sodium was important, but I had never ascribed that degree of importance to it, you know, and, and, uh, my performance suffered as a consequence. And so Tyler and Luis were savvy to all this stuff for a long time. When I became aware of it, I looked out at the folks that I served as part of my community. And I was like, Oh my God, like 95% of the problems that people are facing is probably sodium and electrolyte driven. So we produce this um, kind of make it yourself homebrew keto aid, where you use this much sodium, this much potassium, this much magnesium, 
add lemon juice, stevia, shake it up, drink it. And uh, it, it went like wildfire. Like it, it, within six months, we had like a half million downloads of this, this free, you know, mix it yourself thing, which was awesome. It was clearly addressing a need, but then folks started saying, Hey, when I travel with three bags of white powder, TSA doesn't <laughs> like that, you know, and could you guys do a convenience thing with like a stick pack or something? So we, you know, five years ago, four years ago, I had no thought of starting a, a kind of, you know, electrolyte company and being this salt mogul, but then this really addressed a need that I had. And then we, it was kind of cool. We did this freemium thing where we just gave the recipe away and we still have it on element. It's like drinkelement.com forward slash homebrew. And we still have that thing. So like, if you don't like our thing or you want to do your own then you can, you can do your own thing. But it was cool because we really clearly identified this huge need that I wouldn't have thought existed there. You know, I figured that electrolytes were a red ocean, like Gatorade, Powerade, all these things have like done everything that could be done. They're, they're ticking all the boxes. But then when I really got in and objectively read the literature on electrolytes and sodium intake, I was like, these guys are not anywhere near the ballpark. You know, the real linchpin um, electrolyte is sodium, because if you get enough of that, the kidneys do a good job of sorting everything else out. But if you have under consumption of sodium, it's difficult for the kidneys to get the potassium and the magnesium and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of a interesting confluence of, of just good luck meeting uh, people smarter than myself. The fact that I had struggled with this and I had such a profound response, you know, really perked me up that like, oh, there might be something to this. And then the fact that we had this really engaged, uh, you know, community that, that gave us great feedback and they were, they were saying this stuff really works. Like there's something to this. And that's the whole Genesis story of, of element. Well, I'm really interested and I'll probably pick your brain more on like the, the birth of element from a business standpoint, but because you bring up Gatorade, I'm actually interested, like in terms of the composition of Gatorade, I, how much sodium does a bottle of Gatorade have? It, it's just shocking to me that they market themselves as an electrolyte drink when, I mean, how much sodium is there in there? It, it varies. They have some some higher, uh, I think as high as like 300 milligrams per, per serving. But it, it's interesting when Gatorade was first released, we had a, a, a friend of ours go to the Gatorade you know, museum, the Gatorade Hall of Fame, and they have some packages of like the first runs of Gatorade, and it used to have a gram of sodium per serving in its original form. And what happened? And sugar became cheap and popular, and sodium has been kind of demonized because of, you know, the, the uh, supposed relationship between cardiovascular disease, and there is kind of a relationship there, but the funny thing is that I think that it's mainly driven by insulin resistance, not sodium intake. So it, it, it's kind of looking in the wrong place, but over time, uh, Gatorade just dialed down the amount of sodium it contained and dialed up the amount of sugar that it contains. Can, and yeah. Can you explain a little bit more of that? Uh, which part? Um, insulin and sodium and the misconception about sodium driving hyper high blood pressure. Yeah, so we know for sure that high blood pressure is a major risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Like there, there's uh, uh, one thing is that we only develop atherosclerotic plaques on the, the arterial side 
of our vascular system. People never develop placking in the venous side where it's under much lower pressure. So there's something about turbulent flow damage to the vascular endothelium that is clearly a piece of, of this whole atherosclerotic uh, development story. Sodium is important in fluid balance. Uh, it is kind of the driver of, uh, one of the primary drivers of how much water we retain in general. And uh, there are several hormones that are involved in, in regulating that. But what's interesting is when they found folks, there's been good randomized control trials looking at this, they take groups of people who are hypertensive, have high blood pressure, they put these folks on a low sodium diet or a no sodium diet, and it doesn't really change anything. Like the blood pressure goes down a little bit, but I mean, it's only a few points difference. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that we can pull sodium out of our bones, and we do when we're not consuming enough. And so long-term, we can kind of balance sodium levels by, by buffering um, fluid levels by pulling sodium out of the bones. But when we do that, we also pull calcium out. And so this is possibly one of the drivers of osteoporosis, osteopenia. But also what's happening in that story is that these compensatory mechanisms to retain sodium like if we remove sodium out of the diet cortisol goes up epinephrine goes up uh, you know there are these other mechanisms that start acting because cortisol and epinephrine uh, adrenaline are other ways that we can retain sodium so this then further worsens the hypertension so there are certain folks that develop a, a variety of hypertension that responds really favorably to sodium supplementation like they are actually too like dramatically too low in sodium. I think there are a lot of people that are overeating in general. They're overeating processed foods and the processed foods are really sodium rich. So that's clearly a problem. This hypertensive peri-diabetic person probably doesn't need element, but what they do need to do is eat a minimally processed or a less processed diet and then the funny thing is that no matter how you eat, whether it's paleo or vegan or what, what have you, if you shift to a minimally processed diet, you tend to consume much less sodium, but then your insulin levels drop and you don't retain as much sodium. And then interestingly, when you eat a whole food diet, you, you really need to supplement the sodium because you're not getting it as part of like a potato chip or, mm -hmm. or something like that. So mm -hmm. it's a, uh, it, it is interesting, though, that the, the research looking at low sodium diets and hypertension are really underwhelming, like the, they don't really move the needle. But interestingly, if we get people moving towards, say, like a lower carb diet or just a minimally processed diet, we tend to see a remarkable improvement in blood pressure, mainly because we're, we're normalizing insulin levels in people. They're eating less. They tend to eat less refined carbohydrate. And so then if we have normal insulin levels, then we will retain more normal levels of sodium and not have that hypertension and the, the high blood pressure problem. Wow, that's that's one of the clearest, best explanations I've gotten in a long time. Oh, awesome. That. Cool. I'm, I'm cool. really, really glad. I, I hope that that hits home for our, our listeners. I mean, you, you know that once there's a formed belief, it's really, really difficult to change people's minds. So I really hope that after the end of the podcast, People can see a little bit more clear past the, the fads and, and other things that drive the industry, right? Yeah, and this thing is cool in that you can experiment with it for a week. 
like buy a blood pressure cuff, you know, 20 bucks at, at a CVS or something or order it off Amazon. And if you're hypertensive, reduce your carbohydrate intake for a week and see what happens to your blood pressure. But and that's it's hard. Gonna, it's going to plummet, you know, and <laughs> now you need to figure out, okay, where do I want to be with this? Like, because of athletic performance, maybe I need some carbs, but maybe I make them around the workout and maybe I improve sleep. So my overall insulin sensitivity is improved, but this is something that's ri- like, it doesn't need to be smoke and mirrors. It's very empirical. If you suffer from hypertension, there are some really direct things that people can do to address that. And then there will be a little bit of tweaking to make it work for them over the long haul. But I mean, it's it's a, a very fixable problem for the vast majority of folks. Yeah, it's just annoying and uncomfortable to do. I guess it's much easier to just chalk it off and say, ah, oh, no, it's, you know, just stop eating so much sodium and your blood markers will get better. It's easier to say that than to actually change your entire lifestyle and, and right. eating habits, right. right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's for so sure. interesting. Um, how has that been received from the the sports community, specifically combat sports? Because I know, for example, so I teach uh, on nutrition, and now I'm, I'm starting to teach more nutrition for sports performance for boxers, because I feel like that's a, it's a segment that hasn't really been catered that much, and it's pretty behind as far as the literature goes. And I'm being met with a lot of resistance, especially on the sodium department. Oh, interesting. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. We Now, I don't clinically work with folks that much anymore, like very uh, peripherally. So like I am a little bit kind of a step removed, but just based off of like inbound interest, like like folks like you. Um, yeah, I'm speaking more from yeah. a consumer standpoint. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, I don't feel like there's been huge, huge pushback. Like they're definitely like it, in my world is more Thai boxing, MMA and, and jujitsu, but you know, like even the weight cutting, usually there's some understanding of like, oh, we need to put sodium back in the mix at some point, you know, people will do like the, the hyperhydration, the really large amounts of, of water, no sodium so that they're down rate regulating antidiuretic hormones so that they can diurese and shed a whole mountain of water and then they have to put it all back in. Um, but usually when they're putting it all back in, like folks are pretty savvy that there's a need for electrolytes in that circumstance. I think people could be doing more on the front end of that too, but that that's kind of a, a different story. But I haven't, I haven't had a ton of pushback, but I'm also not like right on the front line coaching people these yeah. these days. So I may be a little bit insulated from it. The the main concern seems to be the transient increase in increase in water weight retention. Mm-hmm. I don't know and, what and they boxers specifically have an obsession with cutting w- water weight at all points during the camp. You know, they'll train right. with their sauna suits on. They'll start hitting the sauna to lose weight three weeks out from the fight. They really obsess and worry about the weight on the scale every single day. So they worry that if they increase their sodium consumption, then that's going to lead to water retention and they don't even want that water weight to be there. Yeah. And I mean, it, it will for about 20 or 30 minutes and then the kidneys will kind of sort it out. Like the, that water shift, you know, should be the last few days. This isn't something that should be fiddled with super early in my opinion and particularly when you think about like the intensity of a of a fight camp 
and the need for good sleep and, and you know, minimizing allostatic load, like that total stress load, um, making sure that our HRV scores are as good as we can possibly get. Like I, I get what we really want is generally throughout our, our, our year, we have pretty good body composition so that we're not too far out of striking distance for where we wanna go. Then within the fight camp, like we tighten things up so that maybe that that final like you know couple of percentage points of body fat comes off, and then we just have to um, what is it like in in Star Wars like turn off your guidance computer? Like you just have to have some some faith that your body and your coach is going to get you to the proper place. If you are trying to dehydrate yourself and do all this fluid shifting four or five weeks out, like you're going to be an absolute disaster by the time you you get to that that period where you really do need to knuckle down and mm-hmm. do that because it's super stressful on your body. It's diminishing your ability to perform, to recover. Like um, I feel for you if that's like a, but, but although I do remember like when I was coaching, people who are willing to get into any type of ring and fight, are usually stubborn enough that they will just do all kinds of crazy shit. And, and, you know, it's kind of maddening to, to uh, coach them at times. I oftentimes felt like my main role as a coach was to act as a speed bump. I was just preventing them from destroying themselves. Like if (laughs) I could, I wasn't really improving their performance. I was just making sure that they weren't a steaming pile of shit on the day that they showed up to, (laughs) to perform, you know? And, and I, and I found that kind of ungratifying whereas like, working with someone who has type two diabetes, it's like, okay, I can really help you. This other person, I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to distract them from their own like tendencies to destroy themselves. No, yeah, but, athletes, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Athletes generally speaking, especially if they've been doing something for their whole life, they think they know everything and they have a really hard time changing what has quote unquote worked for them in the past. Sure. They don't think there's room to optimize, which I always find crazy. If there's somebody in front of you who has Uh, a level of expertise on a subject that you just don't, that you're just speaking from experience and the other person speaking from an evidence-based standpoint. I, it just doesn't, I can never understand how people can be that stubborn when they are in front of somebody that knows better, that studies that for a living. Yeah, and you know, one, one thing that I have done, with, with, uh, it was a long time ago, but if we were trying to bring something new in, we'd do like a mini camp where it's like, okay, we want to tinker with this. And some of it is even like gastric emptying, you know, like some people will get bloating or cramps if they're they're doing like a maltodextrin or something like that. So let's figure out a, a mini camp or maybe it's like two or three weeks and we create a lot of the, the circumstances that we would do in a regular camp and we can test what happens in a low hazard environment because nothing's on the line. We're not actually getting ready for for this event, but then we can, we can empirically figure out, okay, is this thing beneficial or not beneficial? And that might be a way to help get these folks to do something. It's like, Hey, we're going to experiment with this. I understand that you've had success in this other area. Let's compare and contrast this and see if we can do it. But also these folks are just knuckleheads sometimes. So it's, uh, it, it's funny trying to convince them. Yeah. But, but I think that could work. Yeah. If you, if you present it like that, Hey, let's try this thing for two to three weeks, your fight isn't for another two months worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work you go back to what you've been doing yeah that's a really yeah. that's really good advice man in my at my gym people go as far as um layering uh, what's it called Albu- albulin 
Albuline? Albuline? Oh my god. It's a makeup remover. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like it's it's thinner than Vaseline, but it has the same consistency as Vaseline. And they just slather themselves with that, then they put a hoodie on and then they put the sweat the sweatsuit on. <laughs> it feels good, like it's gratifying to get that sweat off of you, you know, and yeah. you feel like you're working yeah. harder, but it's so counterproductive. And it really it's not doing anything besides just slowing you down, making you feel yeah. like crap. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> imagine what these folks could do if they were healthy all the way up till you, you have to really put the pedal to the metal on the fluid, the water shift and everything. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about, yeah, I'm really curious, what were you doing before you started Element for professionally? Uh, yeah, so I, so I, uh, I got into this kind of health and fitness space, uh, mainly with this background and kind of like the paleo diet ancestral health i was a cancer and autoimmune uh, autoimmunity researcher first then um was thinking about medical school but uh when i figured out my own health issues i didn't really want to go that that track and then around 2001 i found this weird workout online called crossfit and i started doing that with my friend dave warner who's a retired navy seal and within like three we converted his garage into a gym and within like three months we had 15 people working out with us and so i reached out to the glassmen's uh, founders of crossfit and i'm like hey i i want to open a gym i want to call it crossfit can we do that and they were like yes go be achieve and so that was crossfit north the first crossfit affiliate gym in the world and then i had a chance to move to chico california which is where i did my undergrad and they had this thing in the sky called the sun which seattle does not <laughs> and so I, I moved there and opened up what was then the fourth CrossFit affiliate gym, CrossFit NorCal. And I mean, I was in that that kind of CrossFit space for a good eight to 10 years, kind of in and out of that. Uh, wrote a couple of New York Times bestselling books, had a pretty popular podcast, uh, was very early in the blogging scene. And so, I mean, I, I uh, had like speaking gigs. I, I worked for a Naval Special Warfare Resiliency Program for about eight years. Uh, this is where I would go speak to the SEAL teams, the special boat teams and their families about sleep, circadian biology, food, you know, just basically trying to, to be more resilient. And then I also sit on the board of directors of a medical clinic in Reno, Nevada that uh, specializes in metabolic risk screening specifically for police, military, and fire. So, I mean, I was kind of like, you know, online blogging, podcasting, writing books, but then also at that clinical interface of, of metabolic, you know, disease screening and trying to do something about fixing that problem. Wow, that's fascinating. What, um, what were the books that you wrote? What were that about? Uh, the Paleo Solution is the first one. Uh, Wired to Eat is the second one. And those are both definitely like, you know, kind of diet books, kind of paleo, lowish carb oriented diet books. And then the third book that I wrote is called Sacred Cow. And it looks at the um, health, environmental and ethical considerations of a meat inclusive food system. So it's trying to answer some of these questions that are, are posed, you know, it, is the raising of like cattle for food, uh, one of the main contributors to climate change. And so we're, we're getting in and kind of unpacking that. And we also did a documentary film with the same title, Sacred Cow, that covers a lot of the same material, but not everybody wants to read a 300 page book on like climate change and cow farts and whatnot. So <laughs> we did a 
did a, a film looking at that instead. Wow, that is incredible. You are superhuman. How do you find time in the day to do all of that? Uh, it's been 20 years of doing this stuff. So, I mean, I, I thank you for saying that. Like, I, I, one thing is I really try to find things that I'm interested in. And, like, um, this Sacred Cow book and film, when it's all said and done, I'll probably make, like, $3 an hour working on that. And, and it, that kind of sucks on the one hand. But the, on the other hand, it's just something that needed to be done. There was no good answer for this topic out there. So... Um, so long as it's something that I'm interested in and I kind of love the topic and I'm going to continue learning in the, the process of doing it, then I, I just kind of go for it and do it. So I, I could have probably made a lot more money if I had been more savvy about like, well, where is the market trend going? And, you know, where, what, what direction is the wind blowing and kind of gone with that. But I've been lucky in that I've really been able to chase primarily my passion, which is helping people. Uh, particularly like my ideal person to work with, um, uh, metabolic disease, gut issues, autoimmunity, like basically me, you know, mm -hmm. like this is what I've dealt with the, my, my whole life. And so uh, even though I have done work with high level athletes and military and stuff like that, and I enjoy that, like my, my center of the bullseye person is someone who's run the gauntlet with modern medicine and they're still sick, they're still struggling, and I think that there might be some things that they haven't been exposed to, and that is the person that I really love working with. And because nobody else wants to work with this people, these types of people, it's this huge you know, group of folks that need help, and when you're able to affect some change with them, like it really matters. Like these are, are people that are really sick, and so I've been able to, to spin up a decent amount of success by you know just being really doggedly committed to helping folks and kind of finding a little bit of a niche like my niche is kind of you know poop gut related problems with some autoimmunity and and a little bit of metabolic disease and and that's kind of my my sweet spot what's the uh what's the process look like as far as consulting with these people go quick shout out to our sponsor lmnt uh it's a great tasting electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't that means lots of salt with no sugar lmnt is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for folks following a keto low carb or paleo diet lmnt contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio a thousand milligrams of sodium 200 milligrams of potassium 60 milligrams of magnesium with no with none of the junk no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. If you want to check these guys out, this is something that Stephanie and I use all the time. Uh, check them out at drinklmnt.com slash hybrid. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery and sleep these products are combined of both cbd and non-cbd ingredients by tapping into how we function biologically cbd can work to regulate pain mood appetite anxiety and inflammation as a hybrid unlimited listener you get 15 percent off your order with code hybrid in all caps so check them out that's beam and use code hybrid in all caps for 15 percent off what, what do you most often encounter and how do you tackle it? You know, that has changed over time because there is so much more information available. Like uh, 
man, there are there's probably a good dozen studies now, randomized uh, trials looking at like specific carbohydrate diet, paleo type diets for autoimmune conditions. So there's a lot more information available now than there was 15 years ago. So, so many of the people that I end up working with, like they're, they're usually at least had an exposure to the possibility that there's something else going on here. Um, we usually, uh, also people seem to arrive with a bunch of blood work and, you know, metrics already done. Like people, at least the folks that are filtering through, to me, they're, they're already looking at, you know, like, what is their insulin resistance score, uh, uh, markers of systemic inflammation like C-reactive protein or, or glycate or some of these other kind of kind of not as well-known systemic inflammatory markers. So people arrive pretty pretty uh, pretty well educated, at least the folks that are arriving to me. And so what's interesting is like my job is way less kind of like a biochemist at this point. It's much more a facilitator of behavior change, which is interesting because um, I'm just kind of a dick. Like I, I'm not a big hand holder. Like I will fight for people as long as they're fighting as hard as I am. But like, if I feel like I'm more invested than they are, like I'll, I'll just fire them and I'm done because I've, I've got this big list of people that, you know, the next person may be the person that if I work with them, it saves their life. And so I'm just not gonna, you know, devote this this time. But it's also made me a little bit less of a jerk working with people because I understand that change is hard and people have lots and lots and lots of stuff going on. So it, it's interesting that people are arriving to me usually pretty well educated about, oh, I know that there's maybe some immunogenic foods that could be irritating my gut and that's causing some of these autoimmune issues. But we're, we're actually dealing with, you know, I was raised as a poor kid. And so eating all the food that I can eat is, it, it, it tells something in my soul that like, I'm okay, I'm safe because there were times where I didn't have enough food. So now, and I'm not a therapist, I'm not a psychologist, but you know, there's ways that I can help people just work through that where it's like, okay, well, I, we understand that, but now you're successful and now we're dealing with these other issues. So what are we gonna do so that, you don't open up the cupboard at midnight and eat everything in it and and uh you know that th we're getting ahead of that so my my kind of work with people now is very very different than what it was in the beginning where it was really you know finding a doctor to work with getting blood work ordered up you know it was very mechanistic and reductionist and and now it's um really focused on kind of uh, behavior change is kind of the main usually people don't need that much information about protein carbs fat they don't need that much information about the possibility that like gluten may be a problem or maybe dairy might be a problem for them they're usually kind of savvy to at least some of that but they need a lot of help in just figuring out how to fundamentally change their their life and their you know the way they eat the way they sleep the way that they they just interface with the world yeah that it, that's exhausting i've coached nutrition myself and i've i i've encountered the same type of thing you know it's it's never enough to just tell somebody how many or the amount of protein, carbs, and fats they need to be eating in a day as right. much as it is helping them figure out how to actually change their habits that have been yeah. formed who knows how many decades ago, right? Right. Wow. So, and you do these consultations, uh, email, on the phone, or how do you do it? So, you know, the way that we've shifted this, we have an online uh, program called uh, The Healthy Rebellion. And we do a three times a year reset within the, the Healthy Rebellion. So I 
we kind of do it in a group format now and it, it works pretty well because I find it, it's almost like when you're training people like a one-on-one session can suck your soul dry whereas a little bit of group fitness like if you have one weird person or one person that's having an off day like you can kind of spread that around and so this group format people will will come into that um they it's usually a 30-day uh, primary reset that we do three times a year uh what we've done is we have all of these modules that people can work through ahead of time or in parallel with what they're doing so it tells them the mechanistic pieces okay weigh and measure yourself find your your calorie and protein needs are you higher carb or lower carb are you doing autoimmune or or not and so it helps them figure that out and then mainly what they're doing is checking in with myself and then the other the other coaches in the the program like hey does this look right or i'm confused about this and so we've made some algorithms that cover as much of the kind of uh repetitious pieces as we can so that we can just mainly be focused on cheerleading and kind of tweaking the the you know the variables as we go along this isn't working so we'll 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 try this thing and if somebody comes in in between a a specific reset we still have all this material in place so they can just plug into it and you know and oftentimes we'll just tell people tell us your life history like what do you would give us three day, you know, food log. And then we can at least um, get them at like 80% going in the right direction. And then we can kind of tweak and, and fiddle it from there, but we kind of crowdsource it a little bit. Uh, there's myself and some other coaches in, in there that are pretty knowledgeable. Um, but I've, for kind of personal sanity, don't do much one-on-one stuff. Like even, even there, like uh, folks that are needing like, adjunctive cancer therapy, you know, work and things like that. Like I'll plug them in with a doctor. I have a pretty good network of, of different doctors that I can plug them into. And then a dietitian to, to make sure that their food's on point and everything. So I, I do a fair amount of work, maybe a third of, of my, my day of work. It's plugging people into other resources so that they can get what they need because I'm I, like what I do doesn't address it, but I know people who do address it. I wanted to ask, it's interesting that you mentioned that you spend a third of your time doing that. I wanted to ask because you're so multifaceted and you do so much. Personally, I'm, I'm curious because I also wear many hats. How do you, what percentage of your time goes to each of your interests slash responsibilities? Oh man, that's a good, good question. Um, and you know, my life is, is awesome. Great wife, good kids, you know, super lucky uh, and all that, but it's interesting with Element because I'm of the work that I'm doing there. So I get to come on an awesome podcast like yours and, and, you know, like doing stuff like this is really my, my comparative superpower. Like it's so I do more stuff like this, like even, um, customer service type stuff. Like somebody has a really wacky question like, Oh, I think magnesium malate gives me the trots. I'm like, well, let's talk about that, you know? And so, uh, we focus a lot with, with Element on our customer service side. Like instead of hiding who to talk to and where to find someone if you have a problem, it's like, no, no here's where we are and we will bend over backwards to try to help you. And then in P- instead of people being pissed at us all the time, they're actually like, you guys are really awesome. And even though, you know, my ultimate problem maybe wasn't addressed, like I'm still intolerant to the magnesium you use, I still like you guys and I'm going to help support you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I'm able to do a ton of that type of stuff. And then um, just kind of creative work where I, I will just read 
articles, news articles. I, I try to read from physics, economics, evolutionary biology. I, I actually stay out of the kind of biomedical research. Not that I know everything in that, but that's definitely my strongest area. So I try to read outside of my my scope of expertise because it stimulates ideas. Like I'll see a parallel in like economics that I then see a little piece in like a, a physics article on thermodynamics. And then I'm able to, I'm pretty good at synthesizing things that I might pull in like a, a dietary angle on that stuff. So a lot of time is spent doing outreach like this, um, kind of, you know, the group management type material. Um, but I'm really lucky in that I'm, I'm no longer in the position of like managing other human beings. Like I, I'm terrible at it. I'm not a good boss. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm very buffered from that now. And so for the first time, what makes life, you say that, that you're not a great boss? I, I just kind of, I, I've been lucky in that the people who have worked for us are very self-directed, but I don't, I don't stop and take time to do development for other folks. Like I, I should stop and do some internal development. We've gotten better at that. Like my wife does an enormous amount with the, the business and we've developed, we, we have put some kind of processes in place where if people want to go do continuing education or different things, then we put some money into that to, to support that process. But like my, my own team will oftentimes find out about something through an article, not from talking to me, you know, because like, I just kind of wall myself off and try to hide. And, uh, and, and also I'm just kind of short tempered and cranky and, <laughs> and, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm not a real nurturing <laughs> human being or boss in that regard, you know? So uh, um, you and I are very similar. Yeah. But it's cool. And that I I'm in this spot now where, um, I feel like my strengths are as highlighted as they've ever been. And then the areas that I'm weak, I have an amazing support network and team so that I never venture into that stuff. And not surprisingly, like everything is, is going like gangbusters. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've been able to gut it out, do, you know, wearing the million hats and get the, all the stuff done. But man, there are people that are just good at detail oriented stuff and they're yeah. kind and thoughtful and they do a great job at that like middle management thing that I'm horrible at, you know, yeah. and my wife is Italian and like, I think that she has met people that she likes, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that she, <laughs> you know, I mean, she just, she's a prickly person too. We're both just kind of prickly people. So uh, yet we're in this like service industry where yeah. it, if you're a prickly jerk, then how do you, how do you serve people? You know, you, you figure out a way to do it, I guess. Of but, course. Yeah. It's interesting. Nobody's asked me about, about that before, but mm. I'm really lucky in that where I am right now in my life, I'm doing all the stuff that I'm really the best at and I have support around the stuff that I'm not good at. Are you super organized? I'm not like, I'm not a super detail oriented person, but, um, like do you color code your schedule? Say that again. Do you color code your schedule? No, no. Well, I mean, kind of, I, I just like <laughs> podcasts are green, but then, you know, like jujitsu is purple, I guess a, a, little, a little bit, bit, but I've just, man, I've, I've known because I worked in lab work, like people who really do hardcore, like science and lab work, 
I became organized because I was such a hazard in the lab <laughs> that I had to be because I, I would I would ruin stuff, you know, something, <laughs> an experiment that would take a week of setup. And if you screwed up one thing on like day six, you had to start all over again. So I became organized, but there were people that were just born that way. And they were so good at being organized and like my best efforts at organization, they would look at me and they're like, that's pathetic. You know, and it, it literally was like my A effort. And it was like a D minus effort on their part because they're just so good at, at doing that stuff. So I don't consider myself super organized. Like one thing that I, I have learned though, is to just um, really simplify my life. Like I do all my podcasts on one day. I've kind of structured out my, my jujitsu at the same time, the same days, so I do kind of block, periodize my work. So it's, I don't really need to put a lot of thought into what I'm, I'm up to next because I, I kind of know what what's coming and it's it's fairly predictable in that regard. So yeah, yeah. So Element was born, you said four or five years ago? Uh, three years ago we launched. Three years ago. Yeah. What was the yeah. process like of getting getting something that size out there? You know, we started fairly modestly like we we didn't take any uh, so there's myself uh tyler cartwright and luis villasenor from keto gains and then there's this outfit called proton enterprises that is the the third partner and they're really the um the the operations backbone of of element and they're they're honestly the reason why this thing functions as well as it does, you know, from a, a business standpoint, our CEO, James Murphy is just super buttoned up and really, really on point. But when we identified that we really thought that there was something to this, you know, in general, we, we kind of dialed in what we wanted our uh, formula to be. And there were a couple of different factors that went into that. One of them was just reading the, the evidence-based literature and you know, like the ACSM has guidelines that, um, uh, hard training athletes, heat, hot or humid environments may need seven to 10 grams of sodium per day, which I was like, holy smokes, that's a, that like, you know, that would be 20 teaspoons of, of, you know, table salt because table salt's only 40%, you know, sodium by weight. And so it's like, wow, that's a, that's a lot. So we, we did some stuff around that. We looked within the keto gains community and looked at the the diet logs of maybe 300 people and what, what what we found is that people were good on calcium a little shy in magnesium more deficient in potassium and then hugely deficient in sodium and so we stacked you know sodium then potassium then magnesium and we don't include calcium at all uh, because we feel like people generally get enough and also in the the literature, there's enough suggestion that calcium supplements exacerbate uh, cardiovascular disease that I was nervous about adding that in supplemental form. So we just kind of skirted around that. And then we we had to figure out, well, what are we going to be called? We, we, you know, we, we had no idea that we were going to call ourselves Element and, you know, like have this logo and everything. And we met this guy who had done brand development for Coca-Cola for, for years and, and some other really big um, entities. And then he went out on his own and it was interesting. He interviewed me in a, a way that's similar to the way that you seem to interview people like these really 
thoughtful kind of probing questions. Like it was, it was actually a lot of fun, but he just learned a ton about me. It wasn't so much like, so what market demographic do you want to hit and everything? Like he really got to know me. Mm-hmm. And then because of the chemistry thing and the salt and, you know, we kind of, well, element. And initially we had some like, you know, like atomic, you know, structure type things. And, and, uh, but it, it kind of morphed into what the current iteration is. And then we did a, a very modest soft launch. Uh, shoot, it was December of 2018, I guess. Yeah. And then the more proper launch, 2019. And we, yeah, is that right? 2000. I may have one year wrong on that, but mm-hmm. but uh, this is our third third proper year going, and we had a five x growth from year one to year two, and then like a seven x growth from year two to year three. So we've, it, I think, we're one of the fastest growing like health and wellness companies in in the world right now. Like it's really incredible, and we're super super lucky. And it, it, you know, the I think part of the reason why it's gone as well as it has is that between myself and Tyler and Luis, like you had like 60 years of working with people in this kind of online and and in real life world. And then we had this this solution for a lot of the problems that that people were experiencing, but we had banked a lot of goodwill. And the kind of cool thing about this element, element story in electrolytes is if somebody's deficient in electrolytes and they're feeling off, if they just take a swig of pickle juice or something like five minutes later, like, oh man, I feel a lot better. So it's, it's not this subtle thing. Like you don't have to wait mm-hmm. a couple of weeks and like, oh, I think maybe I feel a little bit better. Or, you know, it, it, it's not subtle. If you, if you're feeling like garbage from low electrolytes, it, it really helps. So oh we God, were yeah. lucky in that we were really addressing a legitimate need. The need has a very quick feedback loop in, in like, if you address it, then you know, you feel better immediately. It'd be like if um, if somebody is doing like cold dips and you just happen to have like a heated towel, you know, stand next to it. It's like, that's exactly what I need after I'm in like an ice bath. You know, it, it, it's this immediate uh, feedback loop and everything. And uh, and I think we've just really tried to focus on, on quality and like really, really good customer service. Uh, like as we've grown, we've actually made the cost of the product less uh, it, it, so we, we have gotten economies of scale where, you know, we, it costs us less to, to manufacture it. And we split that with the customer. We take a little bit of that gain and then we give it uh, some of the gain back to the customer so that they are paying less for the product than what they did two years ago. Yeah. So we've tried to do some, some things like that, you know, to, uh, to say thank you for people supporting us. Well, yeah, no, that's outstanding. I think you guys are doing an amazing job on, on all fronts, really. Is there, how much of, of the success of Element do you attribute to luck? I mean, I, I like to ask this question because, you know, when we first started hybrid, we experienced also a pretty exponential growth, especially the first two, three, even four years after launching. And it gave me this feeling of invincibility that I could start and sell anything. I felt like I could just sell sand in the desert. You know, I felt yeah, like I could yeah. just do anything. And that led us to start a bunch of kind of different verticals of the business that distracted us from our kind of core business. Core mission. Yeah. And 
and it ended up being problematic, you know, after a few years. So I, I like to ask that question, especially to, to successful people like yourself. You know, you guys are doing so well with Element. Are there plans of expanding into maybe other supplements or other industries? How do you how do you look at that? Um, I, on our, our success thing, I would say somewhere between 51 and 98% of our success is luck. Like right place, right time, right people, like a lot of really interesting things come, come together with it. And there's a, uh, Popeye is this old cartoon and yeah. it, there's old, old versions that are black and white. And there's this baby, a uh, sweet pea that, that like is in the story. And like, I remember as a kid, this, this, you know, watching the cartoon, this baby is working its way through like a, uh, a construction site. And there are all these cranes and booms moving things like the baby would go from one thing to another. <laughs> and I feel like with Element, it's like everything just went the right way for us. Like every time that something could have gone bad, it went good. And, and situations where we had a challenge that, that could be scary, like we went for the quality answer instead of like freaking out. And it ended up being, it ended up being a, an asset for us. So I'll share an example of that. Right at the beginning of COVID, we were like, oh my God, what are we going to do? You know, because we don't know if people are going to have income. We don't know, uh, you know, how many people are going to die. Like there were all, all these unknowns. And so we sat down and we, we figured out, so that was happening just like this existential threat, you know, like, oh shit, what's going to happen? Then we started learning that uh, frontline personnel, police, firefighters, medical professionals were collapsing in the droves from heat exhaustion from wearing all this PPE. And we were like, we can fix this. And so we sat down and we figured out what we thought was the number of sticks that we could give away and probably not bankrupt the company. Like we weren't totally sure, but it was it was basically like more than a million and a half stick packs. Like it represented a huge chunk of our inventory. And then we pushed through social media and like people that, that we knew, uh, we were basically like, if you know someone working on the front lines dealing with COVID, give us a name and an address and we'll send you product, no questions asked. And we sent out like a ridiculous amount of stick packs and the ironic that not only it, it ended up being the best marketing thing we ever did, but there was absolutely not a thought about like, we're going to market this, but like an ICU unit where, where all the doctors and nurses are just beat down, they get this huge shipment of element and they're like, oh my God, thank you. And they would write this huge, you know, uh, thank you. And they would post it on social media. And then like, they refused to let us send more. They bought it then. And like, we figured out that we probably sold three to one, the number of stick packs that we gave away. Like we just couldn't give enough stick packs away. If we could just, if we could just find a way to give more stick packs away, then, then, you know, like that, that was our, our path to, to greatness. And so that was an example where we were scared. We weren't sure what we were going to be able to do as a business We you know, an existential crisis, this could be something that tanks us. But even so, instead of just totally hunkering in and taking this super, uh, you know, limited resources, you know, perspective, we were like, we're sitting on a bunch of product that's going to save people's lives. And, it, it, you know, either the, the professionals themselves or by extension, keeping them in the fight, then they're going to be able to help other people. So we just gave away 
a mountain of that stuff. We gave away more than a million and a half stick packs that that first you know go around of of COVID, and that was kind of our year and a half point there. So we were really new, like we were still a very fledgling company. It was kind of a, a big deal to to do that, but that was both lucky, but it was also very. Um, uh, quality and kind of ethics driven. It's like, this is the right thing to do. And if it tanks our company, then okay, like it, it, that sucks, but you know, we're gonna, we're gonna do this. And we've just made every decision around that. And it's been lucky. Uh, it's also been really good. And I, I will say, I learned watching the inner workings of CrossFit. They hit, that was lightning striking multiple times with the folks that started that they were the right place, the right time. Like they started blogging on the internet right when the internet was, was, you know, becoming a thing. They were blogging before there was a word to call it a blog, you know, posting daily workouts and all this stuff. It would never, ever, ever happen again. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the people that were involved with that try to do other things. I saw them try to do other things within that genre. And just because they were wealthy and they were successful once does not mean that they're Elon Musk. Like not everybody has the Midas touch and they mm -hmm. can just like reach out and, and do things and have it work. And so for us with Element, like uh, I really don't, our, our core thing is electrolytes, you know, addressing electrolyte deficiency and, and kind of the energy and metabolism issues around that. And I kind of feel like you know, we could throw some creatine in there, we could do this, we could do that, but I think it's a distraction, you know? It, it, so we're probably not going to venture out of that. Like if we did anything else, I think that it's it's gonna be much more in the um, supporting metabolic health that I have worked, you know, with like the my position in the, uh, the, uh, the clinic that I'm a part of. We did a pilot study there where we found the most the most metabolically sick individuals in the Reno police and fire department. We screened 40 people, maybe eight to 10 of them were really, really sick. And we got them on kind of a lower carb paleo type diet, modified their sleep and exercise. But that pilot study saved the city of Reno at least $22 million with a, like a 33 to one return on investment. And I've been working for over 10 years to try to grow something like this. So it, where I see element going is like this, this hydration thing is almost like a Trojan horse for getting into the bigger health and wellness discussion. And I'm not exactly sure what that looks like, but you know, it, it's, uh, I don't see us doing like a, a, a bunch of like spin-off products and stuff like that. Like I, there's already a ton of that. And that's part of the reason why most of the electrolyte products don't work is because they throw caffeine and they throw sugar and they do this. And sometimes caffeine and sugar are totally appropriate in that. But I would rather people, like if they're, you know, if somebody's getting ready to do jujitsu, I would rather them use glucose tablets and then dose the glucose separate from their electrolytes so that they get that right. Mm -hmm. I'd rather them have like a cup of tea or a cup of coffee to dose the, the caffeine so that mm -hmm. they get that part right versus like this kind of attempt at a one size fits all product. So, um, and you know, I, I think that that like really staying the course and not trying to be all things to all people, ironically, is going to make us the most broadly, you know, applicable to to the the most people. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I love I love how you guys operate, and you know, especially from a no BS standpoint and trying to do what's right, not what's just, not only for you but for people around you. And I really admire that. 
Thank you so much for your time. I want to be conscious. I know that you had a hard out at 2.50, so I want to be mindful of that. Really, really enjoyed our conversation. And I definitely want to stay in touch with you because I honestly admire so much everything that you've done and, and how you conduct yourself. So be an honor to, to stay in touch. That, that would be great. And you need to come visit us in uh, Montana for sure. Of course. I'd love that. Thank you so much awesome. for your time. Where can people find you guys or where can people buy Element? Uh, Element is drinkelement.com and then robwolf.com. You can find pretty much whatever I'm up to there. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Rob. Thanks, Steffi. Take care.